You're listening to ReachMD. This medical industry feature titled, The Faces of RMS Progression, Examining a Treatment Option Through Real-World Cases, is sponsored by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation, which participated in the review of this content. This program is intended for U.S. healthcare professionals. The important safety information for Mazen or Sipanamod will be available at all times underneath the player of this audio presentation. A link to the full prescribing information, including medication guide, is available below this presentation. The speakers have been compensated by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation to conduct this presentation. Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Dr. Brian Berry, and I am an attending neurologist at MedStar Georgetown University Hospital in Washington, D.C. I'm here alongside my co-host, Dr. Amos Katz. Hi, everyone. My name is Dr. Amos Katz, and I'm the medical director at the Linda E. Cardinal Multiple Sclerosis Center in Freehold, New Jersey. In this podcast, we will discuss two real-world patient cases with different manifestations of progression in their relapsing multiple sclerosis, or RMS, how we identify early signs of progression, why it is imperative to act on early signs of progression, and why Mazent also known as Sipanamod, was an appropriate choice for these RMS patients with first signs of progression. Finally, we will discuss how we get our patients started on Mazent. Before we get started with our real-world patient cases, I think now is a good time to let our listeners know that Mazent is indicated for the treatment of relapsing forms of multiple sclerosis, MS, to include clinically isolated syndrome, relapsing remitting disease, and active secondary progressive disease in adults. Mason is contraindicated in patients with a CYP2C9 star 3 star 3 genotype in the last six months experienced myocardial infarction, unstable angina, stroke, TIA, decompensated heart failure requiring hospitalization, or class 3 or 4 heart failure, or presence of Mobitz type 2 second degree, third degree atrioventricular block, or sixth sinus syndrome, unless the patient has a functioning pacemaker. Please note additional important safety information provided throughout this podcast. Full prescribing information, including medication guide, is available below this presentation. Now, let me introduce you to a patient of mine, Susan, though that is not her real name. Susan is a 40-year-old female who was diagnosed 10 years ago with MS by a previous neurologist. She first started on an injectable therapy and had done well for about five years. However, She later had a few breakthrough relapses and had to switch to a different disease-modifying therapy, or DMT. She had a recent relapse about six months ago that resulted in decline in her walking ability and has since recovered from it. But she continued to have issues with bladder function, which is when she was referred to me. Sounds like Susan was experiencing disability progression. What went through your mind when you considered her case at this juncture? I wanted to make sure that her accumulation of disability was related to RMS progression, in which case we will need to assess switching therapy to help delay disability progression. I asked Susan to think about how she was meeting her health goals two years ago compared to now. I would then go system by system from top to bottom to ask about any potential changes in vision, speech, sensation, bowel movement, etc. In Susan's case, it was the bladder issue that became prominent over time for her. I also considered her MRIs, but sometimes I find that MRIs can be considered stable even when patients are experiencing cognitive decline or worsening physical symptoms. Dr. Katz, what do you think about this case? 
One of the most challenging parts of managing RMS patients is identifying the non-motor part of progression, like cognition. It takes time to complete the neurological assessment, and it is not as straightforward as an MRI. If the patient has a caregiver, I ask for his or her observations of the patient's daily life. I ask specific questions related to the patient's daily functions. I also track cognitive performance on standardized tests like the simple digit modality test or SDMT over time to provide some objective data points. Great point. Circling back to Susan's case, I made an evidence-based decision to switch Susan to Mazent. Mazent is the first and only oral DMT studied and proven to delay disability progression in a more progressed RMS population. Mazent has been studied in a broad range of SPMS patients with moderate to advanced disability and was proven to delay disability progression in the EXPAND clinical trial, demonstrating a 21% relative risk reduction in time to three-month confirmed disability progression, or CDP, compared to placebo. The post hoc analysis of the active SPMS subgroup in EXPAND also showed a 31% relative risk reduction in time to three-month CDP compared to placebo. Based on post hoc analysis alone, no conclusions of statistical or clinical significance can be drawn. Susan has been stable on Mazent for 15 months, and with physical therapy, she has regained confidence in walking. Before we introduce our second patient case, let's review some additional Mazent important safety information. Infections. Mazent may increase risk of infections with some that are serious in nature. Life-threatening and rare fatal infections have occurred. Before starting Mazent, review a recent complete blood count, CBC, that is within six months or after discontinuation of prior therapy. Delay initiation of treatment in patients with severe active infections until resolved. Employ effective treatments and monitor patients with symptoms of infection while on therapy. Consider discontinuing treatment if patient develops a serious infection. Cases of fatal cryptococcal meningitis, CM, were reported in patients treated with another sphingosine 1-phosphate, S1P, receptor modulator. Rare cases of CM have occurred with Mazent. If CM is suspected, Mazent should be suspended until cryptococcal infection has been excluded. If CM is diagnosed, appropriate treatment should be initiated. No cases of progressive multifocal leukoencephalopathy, PML, were reported in Mazent clinical trials. However, they have been observed in patients treated with another S1P receptor modulator and other multiple sclerosis, MS, therapies. If PML is suspected, Mazent should be discontinued. Cases of herpes viral infection, including cases of meningitis or meningoencephalitis, caused by VZV reactivation, have been reported. Patients without a confirmed history of varicella zoster virus, VZV, or without vaccination should be tested for antibodies before starting Mazent. If VZV antibodies are not present or detected, then VZV immunization is recommended and Mazent should be initiated four weeks after vaccination. Use of live vaccines should be avoided while taking Mazent and for four weeks after stopping treatment. Caution should be used when combining treatment, that is anti-neoplastic, immune-modulating, or immunosuppressive therapies, due to additive immune system effects. Please see additional important safety information throughout this podcast and full prescribing information, including the medication guide, at mazenthcp.com. Dr. Katz, 
what is your real-world Mason patient case you would like to share with us? Yes, I have a 56-year-old female. We will call her Mary. She was first diagnosed 20 years ago when she was admitted to the hospital for speech impairment and gait imbalance. With a history that long, you may already anticipate disease progression to pick up speed. Mary had multiple relapses in the earlier years of her MS, and she was previously treated with a DMT. By the time Mary came to me for consultation, she had a history of increasing blurring of vision, weakness in the extremities, increasing confusion, and cognitive difficulty. She expressed that she felt if her general neurologist was not hearing her progression concerns. It sounded like the general neurologist might have missed some of Mary's earlier signs of progression by the time she reached your office. What concerned me was that we might have already lost a significant amount of time as she experienced these symptoms of progression. I knew right away we had to switch DMT to treat her progression. Why do you think it is important to identify early signs of progression and intervene once you have identified those signs? It's important because progression, by definition, is diagnosed retrospectively. Every month that goes by without catching the signs of progression may have an impact on the patient's lives and potentially progress their disease course. Additionally, we know the beginning of RMS is primarily driven by inflammation, which later gives way to neurodegeneration when the disease enters the progressive phase. Mazent is the first and only oral DMT studied and proven to delay disability progression in a more progressed RMS population, including active SPMS in the EXPAND trial. Additionally, Mazent had a different mechanism of action. Mazent is an S1P modulator that is a small molecule that can penetrate both the brain and spinal cord and has a dual mechanism of action that targets two key receptors that are thought to play a role in RMS inflammation and neurodegeneration. The mechanism by which sepanamod exerts therapeutic effects on MS is unknown, but may involve reduction of lymphocytes in the CNS. Dr. Barry, are there any other considerations you would include in selecting Mason for a patient? Before I get to the additional clinical data, I want to note that Mason had two key secondary endpoints. A pre-specified hierarchical analysis consisted of the primary endpoint and the two key endpoints of time to three-month confirmed deterioration of time 25-foot walk and reduction of T2 lesion volume expansion at 12 and 24 months. As three-month confirmed deterioration of time 25-foot walk did not reach significance, the reduction seen in T2 lesion volume expansion at 12 and 24 months compared to placebo was considered nominal. Due to the statistical design of the study, we cannot make statistical interpretation of the remaining data beyond these endpoints. With that caveat in mind, I want to highlight that Mazent had exploratory cognitive endpoint results with three cognitive tests the symbol digit modalities test, paste auditory serial addition test, and brief visual spatial memory test revised, or BVMTR for short. There was an overall reduction of 21.3% in the SDMT score of greater than or equal to four points for Mazent, which is regarded as a clinically meaningful change. Overall, there was a 2.48 point difference versus placebo. The results from the PACET and BVMTR test showed no clinically meaningful difference between Mazent and placebo. As noted, no conclusions of statistical or clinical significance can be drawn. 
Thank you for sharing that, Dr. Berry. I would also like to highlight that Mazent has interim analysis data up to five years from the EXPAND Open Label Extension Study, which was designed to evaluate the long-term safety and tolerability of Mazent. The extension study allowed patients who completed the core three-year part of the study to continue with Mazent or switch from placebo to Mazent. Select efficacy assessments up to five years were consistent with the core study. Time to six-month CDP in the continuous Mazent group showed a 22% relative risk reduction compared to those who switched from placebo to Mazent later. Additionally, there was a 52% relative reduction in annualized relapse rate and a 23% overall reduction in the risk of decrease in SDMT scores compared to the placebo switch group. These exploratory analyses represent chance findings. No conclusions of statistical or clinical significance can be drawn. Consider interim analysis open label extension study is not blinded, not controlled, and includes inherent self-selection bias for remaining in the trial. Dr. Katz, what safety information do you highlight with your patients when speaking about the safety of Mazent? I like to highlight that in the core EXPAND study, the most common adverse events with greater than or equal to 10% incidence were headache, hypertension, and transaminase level increase. Treatment discontinuation rates due to adverse events were similar across treatment arms. 8.5% of patients taking Mazent discontinued treatment due to adverse events compared to 5.1% of patients with placebo. The safety profile of Mazent remained consistent with the core study up to five years. I also want to note to our audience some additional important safety information for Mazent. Macular edema. In most cases, macular edema occurred within four months of therapy. Patients with history of uveitis or diabetes are at an increased risk. Before starting treatment, an ophthalmic evaluation of the fundus, including the macula, is recommended, and at any time if there is a change in vision. The use of mazen in patients with macular edema has not been evaluated. The potential risks and benefits to the individual patient should be considered. Bradyarrhythmia and atrioventricular conduction delays. Prior to initiation of mazen, an ECG should be obtained to determine if pre-existing cardiac conduction abnormalities are present. In all patients, a dose titration is recommended for initiation of Mazent treatment to help reduce cardiac effects. Mazent was not studied in patients who had, in the last six months, experienced myocardial infarction, unstable angina, stroke, TIA, or decompensated heart failure requiring hospitalization. New York Heart Association Class 2 through 4 heart failure. Cardiac conduction or rhythm disorders, including complete left bundle branch block, sinus arrest or sinoatrial block, symptomatic bradycardia, six sinus syndrome, Mobitz type 2 second-degree AV block or higher-grade AV block, either history or observed at screening, unless patient has a functioning pacemaker, significant QT prolongation, QTC greater than 500 milliseconds, arrhythmias requiring treatment with class 1A or class 3 antiarrhythmic drugs, reinitiation of treatment, initial dose titration, Monitoring effects on heart rate and AV conduction, that is ECG, should apply if greater than or equal to four consecutive daily doses are missed. Please see additional important safety information throughout this podcast and full prescribing information, including the medication guide, at mazenthcp.com. After deciding on Mazent for Susan based on these data, how did she get started on Mazent? 
From my experience, the alongside Mazent onboarding process is helpful. Once the start form is submitted, alongside Mazent assists patients with necessary baseline assessments in just one or two visits, either in their home, at my office, or at a nearby medical facility. Once the assessments are complete, patients are initiated in treatment with a free starter pack that includes medication for eligible patients participating in the BRIDGE program. I like to think of this as smooth onboarding to getting medication in a patient's hands. Dr. Katz, what has your experience been? In my experience, patients are eager to start this medication. I receive assistance from my nurses in setting up alongside Mazent for my patients, and it alleviates the burden for my patients. So to conclude, early RMS progression is notoriously challenging to identify because it could manifest in many different ways. And we don't have definitive diagnostics to determine where progression starts. It's up to us clinicians to talk through histories and diligently ask specific questions with patients and caregivers, if they are available, to uncover signs of progression during each patient visit and track objective changes on cognitive function and imaging results. I put my patient Mary on Mazent because it is the first and only oral DMT that has proven to delay disability progression in a more progressed RMS patient population, including active secondary progressive multiple sclerosis, or SPMS. My key call out here is to act as soon as those signs are recognized. Also, on a final note, Mazent can be initiated in a two-step onboarding process, and alongside Mazent is a dedicated support program that can be integrated into practice to help patients get started on Mazent. And now let's take a final look at the additional Mazent important safety information. Respiratory effects. Mazent may cause a decline in pulmonary function. Spirometric evaluation of respiratory function should be performed during therapy if clinically warranted. Liver injury. Elevation of transaminases may occur in patients taking Mazent. Before starting treatment, obtain liver transaminase and bilirubin levels. Closely monitor patients with severe hepatic impairment. Patients who develop symptoms suggestive of hepatic dysfunction should have liver enzymes checked, and Mazent should be discontinued if significant liver injury is confirmed. Cutaneous malignancies. The risk of cutaneous malignancies, including basal cell carcinoma, BCC, squamous cell carcinoma, SCC, and melanoma, is increased in patients treated with S1P modulators. Use of Mazent has been associated with an increased risk of BCC and SCC. Cases of other cutaneous malignancies, including melanoma, have also been reported in patients treated with Mazent and in patients treated with another S1P modulator. Skin examinations are recommended at the start of treatment and periodically thereafter for all patients. Monitor for suspicious skin lesions and promptly evaluate any that are observed. Exposure to sunlight and ultraviolet light should be limited by wearing protective clothing and using a sunscreen with high protection factor. Concomitant phototherapy with UVB radiation or PUVA photochemotherapy is not recommended. Increased blood pressure. Increase in systolic and diastolic pressure was observed about one month after initiation of treatment and persisted with continued treatment. During therapy, blood pressure should be monitored and managed appropriately. Fetal risk. Based on animal studies, mazent may cause fetal harm. Women of childbearing potential should use effective contraception to avoid pregnancy during and for 10 days after stopping Mazen therapy. There is a pregnancy exposure registry that monitors pregnancy outcomes in women exposed to Mazen during pregnancy. 
Healthcare providers are encouraged to enroll pregnant patients or pregnant women may register themselves in the mother-to-baby pregnancy study in multiple sclerosis by calling 1-877-311-8972, sending an email to mother-to-baby at health.ucsd.edu, or visiting www.mothertobaby.org slash join study. Posterior Reversible Encephalopathy Syndrome, PRESS. Rare cases of PRESS have been reported in patients receiving an S1P receptor modulator. Such events have not been reported for patients treated with Mazin in clinical trials. If patients develop any unexpected neurological or psychiatric symptoms, a prompt evaluation should be considered. If PRESS is suspected, Mazin should be discontinued. Unintended additive immunosuppressive effects from prior treatment or after stopping Mazin. When switching from drugs with prolonged immune effects, the half-life and mode of action of these drugs must be considered to avoid unintended additive immunosuppressive effects. Initiating treatment with Mazin after treatment with alemtuzumab is not recommended. After stopping Mazin therapy, saponamide remains in the blood for up to 10 days. Starting other therapies during this interval will result in concomitant exposure to saponamide. Lymphocyte counts return to the normal range in 90% of patients within 10 days of stopping therapy. However, residual pharmacodynamic effects, such as lowering effects on peripheral lymphocyte count, may persist for up to three to four weeks after the last dose. Use of immunosuppressants within this period may lead to an additive effect on the immune system, and therefore, caution should be applied three to four weeks after the last dose of Mazant. Severe increase in disability after stopping Mazant. Severe exacerbation of disease, including disease rebound, has been rarely reported after discontinuation of an S1P receptor modulator. The possibility of severe exacerbation of disease should be considered after stopping Mazin treatment. Thus, patients should be monitored upon discontinuation. Most common adverse reactions. Most common adverse reactions greater than 10% are headache, hypertension, and transaminase increases. Please see additional important safety information throughout this podcast and full prescribing information, including the medication guide, at mazenthcp.com. As these final thoughts bring us to the end of today's program, I would like to thank you all for joining us. This program is sponsored by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. If you missed any part of this discussion, visit reachmd.com. This is ReachMD. Be part of the knowledge. Important safety information for Mazen will be available underneath the player of this audio presentation. And a link to the full prescribing information, including the medication guide, is available below this presentation.